0: Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New England Patriots. This is the Patriots Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Patriots Wire editor, Henry McKenna.
1: Hello and welcome into the show. We're back in our normal flow this week. My wife and I welcomed our baby boy into the world two weeks ago, so life's been a little wild, but you haven't been too worried about me, Henry, have you?
2: I've been checking in on you. You know me. You I have. I sure, appreciate it. make you. sure my guy, yeah, I make sure my guy's good. And we've been missing you here, obviously, but we're so, uh, so excited that you've got a little baby boy in the
1: world. It's awesome. Yeah, it's going great. He's, he's a good baby. He pees on me a lot. You know, changing diapers has been a chore. Uh, it's been hard. Uh, baby you know. <laughs> warning out there to everyone who, who might have a baby boy is changing diapers is hard because once the wind hits that little thing, look out. It's, uh, it's like a super soaker. So that's been, that's been the big <laughs> adjustment. That's been the big adjustment. Other than that, everything is, ha- has been amazing. Um, but the good thing is, Henry, when you got a, a baby, you could still watch a lot of football. And I want to get into this Patriots game against the Jets because I thought the approach was uh, was fascinating, and and the, the thing that stuck out immediately, I want to get your take on this, is that they made a concerted effort, obviously, on the first drive, and I thought it would have continued if Jonu Smith didn't get hurt. They wanted to get Jonu Smith going, right? He's been the one guy that hasn't had really a breakout quote-unquote game yet, and they obviously scripted the, the beginning of this game for him. It, it felt like one of those games where they were like, We're so much better than the Jets that we're just going to make sure Johnny Smith gets going because we don't have to really worry about scripting plays to beat the Jets. We're just going to script plays specifically for Johnny Smith to get him going. Um, I kind of liked it. I'm like, let's go. Let's get this guy going. He's going to be a key part of your team if you make any kind of run here in the second part of the season. But what do you think about the approach, right? The Patriots scripting plays for Johnny Smith, running more trickeration, right? More wide receiver passes. I mean, it was kind of wild the way they approached this game. I thought it was like a total disrespect shot to the Jets. And they were just like, we're going to work on some things that we think could help us down the line.
2: So they did. I think they were trying to accomplish two different things or maybe three. I don't know. We'll see. I'll start vamping and and we'll get to a number. But uh, they wanted to prove to themselves that they are a dominant football team. So like by the course of the fourth quarter they weren't stopping scoring because they wanted they didn't just want to beat the jets they wanted to absolutely annihilate yep the jets because the patriots are now 3 and 4 the jets are what 1 in 5 uh, and they wanted to make sure that 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 when they came into the game patriots were 2 and 4 jets were 1 and 4 like there there was really just the buy the jets buy separating them in in terms of record so so in their minds I think they wanted to establish just how much better they are than this New York team. So that's that's one. Two, I think they wanted to break some of the trends that they've developed over the course of the year. So over-reliance on certain personnel and under-reliance on certain personnel. So for, for the tight end position, you were hitting on Johnny Smith. Hunter Henry has been the person that they really relied on at that tight end position. But the whole point of signing two tight ends is that. They should both be a threat. And the Patriots basically were creating a game plan that were like, look at John Smith. He's also a threat. Remember him? Uh, A lot of, (laughs) yeah. yeah. And a lot of this game felt like that whole idea was like, look at this other thing that we can do NFL. So in a way that they were trying to send a message to the rest of the NFL and Kendrick Bourne touched on this, that like in the fourth quarter, Mac Jones was throwing deep again. It's like, you know, we talk, we talk, week after week after week about the dink and dunk offense in New England, this was another thing that they were like, look, like we can, th- we don't just throw the ball short. We can throw the ball deep. And it doesn't matter. Like we'll, tr- we'll try to attack you at any moment. Um, Andrew Callahan from the Boston Herald actually wrote about how the Patriots have run lots of uh, receiver passing plays, but they've never won- run one with those small adjustments so even like on the sort of smallest wrinkle level the patriots were like we could do this a little differently and the John o. smith thing in particular cracked me up because literally this week bill belichick or well last week bill belichick got asked you know hey John o. smith's not super involved in your offense and bill got super bristly and belichicky yep and was like you know what do you think we're gonna do uh, throw the ball to him ten times in a game, and then literally, if Jonathan Smith hadn't got injured, he would—he was on pace to he to get ten targets. He, yep. he left the game in the second quarter with five targets. So it was just like classic Bill Belichick irony, misdirection, just silliness, where he did exactly what he said he wouldn't do it. And I mean, Josh McDaniels is calling the plays, but still, Belichick's a part of that game plan. So I don't know. Yeah, it was—it was a—it was, was an interesting game. Of uh, just the Patriots kind of like playing games within the game.
1: Yeah, in my opinion, absolutely no. It was less, you know, a lot less magnitude on this game than this this example, but it was like that Stephen Jackson game when they were like, "We're gonna we're gonna show everyone that we could run the ball with Stephen Jackson." In that game, they lost to Miami years ago and missed the playoffs. It kind of reminded me of that at the beginning. I'm like, they're just gonna make sure they get the ball to Johnny Smith a lot. But uh, speaking of something that's kind of funny is these trick plays that they keep calling, Henry. They keep on calling wide receiver passes. So uh, Jacoby Myers, he can throw the ball. We've, we know now that Kendrick Bourne will throw it. Uh, I'm sure Nelson Aguilar is going to get a chance this coming week, right? I mean, it's just his turn's coming. I mean, Josh McDaniels and the Patriots are making sure teams know that they're going to call these trick plays at any moment, right? Because usually we see these like one or two times a year, and they come in like either a huge spot in the regular season or in a playoff game, right? We don't see them every single week. And they called two of them in this game. There was that one that Scott Zolak was freaking out on the radio broadcast about with that kind of they botched with Bolden throwing it back to Mac Jones, the double pass. But they keep calling these trick plays. What's going on with that? Are they just trying to show teams that they have to defend that thing every single time and that they're a threat to be a trick play at any, at any moment?
2: Well, first of all, I think there's a degree of like how many trick plays does Josh McDaniels have? Because (laughs) if you're just like, right, like if you're just burning trick plays against the Jets as basically a shot across the bow of every NFL team to be like, look at all the plays we can run, like be afraid because that's that's also essentially what I think it was Kendrick Bourne, uh, but it might have been someone else. I think it was Bourne. He was saying, you know, it makes the defense defend us differently if we're running trick plays because they have to be cognizant of, is this really a run or is this really a pass or is this really a screen path? You know what I mean? Like yeah. they, they, they have to be second guessing themselves at all times. And because a lot of the time, you know, a few times a game, at least the Patriots are running something that's not what it seems. So in that respect, if you give the defense a split second of hesitation in a game of inches, then you can often win uh important plays that's the thought process of firing off even against the jets in a blowout a few trick plays per game but like you said you kind of have to like be careful it's like it, it i think actually belichick literally has said before you know we only have so many of these so we have to be like we have to pick our spots with them
1: he's lying and again. josh he's lying like, again henry
2: <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and it, so I'm, I'm wondering like how many josh mcdaniels has and I kind of wonder if at this point it's indicative of where they think their season is where, you know, they, they fell into a two and four hole after six weeks, they just dug themselves out slightly at three and four, but they view these next four games as maybe the most important and most adverse part of their season, because they're, they're facing a bunch of like fairly mediocre teams, not unlike the Patriots at this point. And the Patriots need these wins and they need something that can help them get an edge because they don't necessarily have it yet from like a talent and chemistry standpoint. This is like playoff mode because if they lose, they miss the playoffs basically like from, from a mathematical standpoint. So I don't know. I think, I think there's something to that that McDaniels and the Patriots are kind of like almost desperate enough to be using trick plays this often because the other thing is in theory, as Mac Jones and the rest of the offense Joe's, they won't need to use the trick plays as often as the season goes on, right? Like their offensive lines, hopefully, uh, but not necessarily going to get more healthy. That will increase efficiency in the run game. That will help Mac Jones in the passing game, who will also hopefully be throwing the ball a little bit further downfield as he grows more comfortable at the NFL level and, and with NFL speeds. So at that point, you don't need the trick plays as much, so it's okay to fire them off right now because you really need them right now <laughs> to get this offense going.
1: I like that take. So it's like a it's like a reverse, right? You don't save them for the end of the year; you use them now until your quarterback and your offense is clicking enough to so you don't need them anymore. I like that, Henry. I haven't heard that yet. That's a completely original take. I love it. So that's what it is, right? So look, we have Johnny Smith. Remember him? And look, we have these trick plays. You got to guard. You got to guard those. And oh, by the way, Brandon Bolden. He's a fine third down back. Look at him, right? They featured all these <laughs> guys. Not, yeah, I know, but they He's did so all this bad. against the Jets. So that's the yeah. thing, right, Henry? So as fans and as opposing, you know, opposing coaches that are now game planning for the Patriots, do we believe them after this just great win over the Jets? Right, fifty-four points. The Patriots, the most conservative team in the league, it seemed. They score fifty-four, and they don't let off the gas pedal. And they just continue to pummel the Jets. And they just played the Jets earlier this year, kicked a bunch of field goals. This time they get touchdowns. They score 54 points how should we feel about it right I actually feel I actually feel better than I thought I would you know kind of the, a couple of days after this win I think you hang 54 on a team that's a good side the Jets hadn't sco- hadn't allowed 27 to any team this season and, and now they allow 54 to the Patriots I do think that Zach Wilson going out <laughs> played a factor in this and my just how dysfunctional of a franchise are you Henry when you're backup quarterback when you have a rookie in Zach Wilson and your backup somehow has less football experience than your starter who's a rookie. That is just freaking unfathomable that they have this Mike White who's barely ever played and and has gotten zero NFL reps, and he's the backup that comes in for Zach Wilson. It's just like, oh, that's so Jets. that This Mike White, who I've never heard of, was their backup that came in when Wilson went out. But anyway, I still think hanging a 50-burger on the Jets is a good sign, and they got some things sorted out. The offensive line looked better, and the secondary looked better and I think it's a confidence builder. So I'm actually going to let myself get sucked into this 54 uh, this 54 burger. They hung on the jets and I'm going to feel good about it. Going into the chargers game.
2: Yeah. I think you're drinking bill Belichick's cooler. <laughs> there it
1: is. Yeah, that's it's nice and sweet. It's exactly the taste I'm looking for.
2: Yeah. That's the message he's been pushing all week is like, oh, you know, it, and, and I was alluding to it earlier is like, yeah, like buy in, like we're doing everything right. And the wins are going to come. So feel good about yourself for this win. That's that's basically what his message was in the locker room. You can see that like in the videos that the Patriots post to Patriots.com. And I wrote about it on PatriotsWire.com. So if you want to see it, it's there. And he, he said as much in the post-game press conference. He, he's really like pushing this agenda that this win matters. The dirty little secret is that it doesn't. It really doesn't matter. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, getting a win in that win column, getting them to three and four, that, that was huge. It, it is... Massively important for them to win, you know, every game from now on, basically, uh, in the AFC East where the Bills are going to be competitive, and in the AFC in general where a wild card spot is going to be competitive. But look, like they're the Jets. That, like you said, their backup quarterback is Mike White, and that's who the Patriots beat up on. this. And, and they didn't even beat up on him. Like Mike White, he drove a touchdown drive. Like who the hell he is better Mike White? than Who
1: is he? It's like, Oh yeah. my God.
2: He's the, the Madden generic looking dude, like yeah. create a player, yeah. build right. a player. He, he, that's he's that's what he looks like.
1: He's completing passes just like Davis Mills was. It's like, yeah, it is yeah. annoying.
2: So I, you know, and that was just one drive. So I don't mean to overblow it, but the point is this, that the Jets are not a good football team. That Zach Wilson is the worst quarterback in the league right now. Maybe, uh, maybe tied with Justin Fields yep. or Justin Fields. I was going
1: to bring up Fields. Slay, Go ahead.
2: Yeah. slightly worse, which, you know, Totally side conversation, um, but Mac Jones, clearly the best rookie because he's in the best situation, but still the best rookie this year at quarterback. So, look, all all the focus now just goes to the Chargers because if you can't beat mediocre teams in the NFL, then you are not a mediocre team in the NFL. And and the, the truth of the matter is mediocre teams win inconsistently against mediocre teams, and good teams beat them. With consistency, that's why you know it's like it's it's too simple. That's why we're, good teams have good records. But the Patriots, to this point, have not beat a good team. That you know, Cowboys lost, Buccaneers lost. They haven't even beaten a mediocre team because Saints lost. The only wins you have are the Jets and the Houston Texans. Texans. That that is the most worthless set of three wins that you could possibly have. Those are the two worst teams in the NFL. What you need is a is a win over the Chargers. If, if you want to have faith in your team, it's adorable that you can blow out the Jets. That is so <laughs> cute. But what you need is a win over a legitimate playoff team. That's what the Chargers are. And if the Patriots want to be a, a legitimate playoff team, they need a win over one of their supposed peers, playoff teams. So you got the Chargers, you got the Panthers, you got the Browns. I would say, you know, maybe – two of those teams are going to make the playoffs. If the Patriots come out of this three and three, I am going to sound like a totally different analyst on this podcast. I'm going to be singing their praises, but right now I'm still very skeptical about what their metal is really made of.
1: All right. I like it. I'll play the role of gullible Patriots fan all day. I'll, I'll suck it. I'll suck down the Belichick Kool-Aid Henry. No problem. No problem here. I'll th- I'll play that role, but you're right. You know, we've only beaten the Jets and the Texans. So here's the thing. Trade deadlines coming up in less than a week. Is there anything the Patriots can do at the deadline to help their team? Because so far, the compensation has been a little nutty. That you know, with some of the trades they've made this year. So Henry and I are going to get into that thing.
3: We'll do it coming up next.
4: This is the typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Let's make this interesting. interesting.
3: I'm Corey Benini with thehuddle.com here to bring you strong plays for Week Eight. Let's get right into it. Denver Broncos quarterback Teddy Bridgewater versus the Washington Football Team. The veteran quarterback gets Jerry Judy back in the lineup this week. Washington's tough to run against, but they're much weaker against tight ends and wideouts. With a capable pass-catching tight end in Noah Fant, and three deep of legit wide receivers, Bridgewater should find a lot of success in the passing game. The position has averaged a league-high 31.2 fantasy points per game against this defense, and the next closest team, which is Kansas City, has given up only 28. One in every 9.7 completions is a touchdown, and Washington has picked off just one out of every 69 pass attempts. Buffalo Bills running back Zach Moss versus the Miami Dolphins. Buffalo returns from its bye week to face one of the weakest defenses of the running back position. Moss is coming off his worst game of the year with 5.9 PPR points in Week 6, so this matchup comes at the perfect time. Miami has allowed a ground score per game on average, and in the last five weeks this defense has improved some, giving up neutral stats across the board as its secondary has struggled to contain receivers. But with all of the attention paid to Buffalo's wideouts, Moss should be free to roam inside the red zone. On the other side of this matchup, Jalen Waddle wide receiver Miami Dolphins at Buffalo Bills. The Bills have the strongest defensive wide receivers in the last five weeks, and only one of 46 catches has crossed the stripe. In Week 2, these teams met for the first time this year, and Waddle, mind you, it was his second game ever, caught six passes for 48 yards. He has at least as many yards in five of seven games this year and a hearty 21 targets in the last two contests alone. Buffalo will be content to allow Miami to throw a lot of short area passes in effort to keep them from going over the top, and PPR gamers shouldn't be afraid of the statistical matchup. That said, expect a result cap somewhere in the mid-teens for PPR points. Tight end C.J. Uzama, Cincinnati Bengals at New York Jets. There's definite risk in stumping for Uzama, even with a wonderful matchup, just because this offense has so many outlets for the football. The Jets have played really well versus wide receivers, which is Cincinnati's strength, but running backs and tight ends have chewed them up. In the past five weeks, New York has looked a lot more like gangrene than gangrene. Tight ends have averaged 18.8 PPR points on the eighth most catches and yards per game. Two of the 30 catches have scored, while it's always a risk that he could get lost in the mix with so many talented weapons around him. The matchup is super bright and Yuzama is a worthwhile play. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com.
4: That was your Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus Today at USA Todaybet.com slash podcast. That's USA Todaybet.com slash podcast. TTipico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call one 800 gambler in New Jersey. one 80 in Colorado.
1: All right, Henry, I think a uh, day before the Jets game, we learned that Jonathan Jones, he's undergoing shoulder surgery. He's gonna be out for the year. So the secondary takes a big hit. I think we're gonna be leaning even more heavily on Jalen Mills, which is a little scary. We're going to have to unleash some Jawan Williams. That's a little scary as well. And oh, by the way, the Patriots traded Stephon Gilmore to Carolina for a six-round pick. And uh, the Jets did the same thing in a trade for Joe Flacco. So the six-round pick. So I'm just like, what the hell is Belichick doing with some of these trades and these moves? And oh, by the way, they, they acquired this kid, Sean Wade, who was supposed to help the, uh, the secondary. But we haven't even seen him, and he's got a concussion. So right now, the Patriots, I think, have a chance... If they do believe in this team to be buyers at the trade deadline and maybe specifically address that secondary, which, oh, man, looks like a, a major area of concern, given Stephon Gilmore being in Carolina and John Jones now being out.
2: They've already bought in on their secondary a little bit, but you could absolutely and probably should absolutely argue that it's not enough. Sean Wade, they, they traded for him. He's a name that Patriots fans haven't heard maybe at all unless they've been reading the inactives report. <laughs> yeah, he has um, not played. He was a healthy scratch for a little while earlier in the season, I think because he was learning a system. And then he suffered a concussion at practice and has missed games since. So in theory, he's kind of that almost like developmental prospect that they like to have at the back end of their depth chart. I don't know if he's ready um, to contribute. I, I, you know, we don't get to see practices and we, we, haven't seen him him
1: in person. So he might have to be.
2: Yeah. Well, and somehow Jawan Williams played like kind of a good game, if we can believe it, last week. Um, But I don't trust him to do it on a weekly basis. And, you know, I have like 80 percent, maybe that's even too generous, like a 75 percent faith that Jalen Mills can play at a high level (laughs) continuing the season. So there are some worries. And and for Patriots fans, this is strange territory because they're so used to bill belichick stocking this depth chart with cornerbacks that are just like obscenely talented like yeah i just don't think patriots fans understand that having as many good quarterbacks as the patriots have had throughout the years being three deep at quarterback that just like doesn't happen around the nfl so maybe patriots fans will get a little taste of like what it's like to be like everyone else it's 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 been now it's been like that for the last two years you know you don't have tom brady you do the gronk and now you know, this cornerback depth chart is, is shriveling. The tackle situation, let's not even get into that. that that's that been a mess. So these are positions where Patriots fans are just so used to having depth, and, and they don't. And so, yeah, I think Miles Bryant is going to be the slot corner to replace John Jones, and he's pretty good. I mean, he wasn't even on the 53-man roster, so and nobody signed him off the practice squad. So is he great? No. And I think that's why they might go after a cornerback. There are guys on on the market. The Broncos have Kyle Fuller. He might be uh, a name that the Patriots could target if they want to go big. Um, Kevin King from the Packers is a name that maybe might be on the market. There is Greedy Williams in Cleveland. So there are some players that they could add. Now, the, the biggest problem, I think is what they do financially. They just spent all this money and and the, the salary cap's about to go way up. But this year, I think they only have about $4 million in cap space. So how badly do they wanna spend that remaining 4 million on a team that may or may not make the playoffs? My guess is if they do make a trade, they're probably making a very small one. It's gonna feel like the Isaiah Ford trade from last year because they're going to preserve the cap space they have. And they're also content probably with all of the money they spent last offseason, kind of like building with upside. Now, if Devin McCordy is out for a little while, maybe they have to look for a safety. But they, even there, they have some depth. I don't know. I could see them adding. I just don't think it will be a name that Patriots fans get overly
1: excited about. Well, yeah, I forgot about Miles Bryant, right? So that's a that's a good name because Belichick always seems to come up with these guys that we've never heard of, like Malcolm Butler or J.C. Jackson that become household names and end up getting, you know, huge contracts with another team eventually. So um, maybe Miles Bryant is that next guy that comes in and saves the day. We'll see. But here, let me just like play hypothetical with you, Henry. So if you had your choice and the Patriots did make a big move and you had to choose one, Would you rather them make a big move for a guy like Kyle Fuller, which is a name I actually had in my notes. I think it's a good one. He is a player that was cut loose by the Bears, and then the Broncos scooped him up with – I think he was a free agent for like a half hour. So there was no uh, tampering going on at all there, right? And Kyle Fuller ends up a Bronco like immediately. But he hasn't been good. you know. And that that defense as a whole hasn't been as good as, as advertised. I don't know if Denver's happy with Kyle Fuller. So, yeah, maybe he's out there. So would you rather the Patriots go after a Kyle Fuller or go after like a big playmaker on offense and really go all in on Mac Jones, like Odell Beckham Jr. You know, a name that's been rumored in the past. So, if you had your choice, would you rather them go position of need like secondary or big playmaker like Beckham on offense?
2: I don't think they're gonna go playmaker just because they spent so much money on playmakers this off offseason. Nelson Aguilar. Hasn't done that much that this yet this season. And I think they probably feel like they can get him more involved as Mac Jones becomes a more vertical passer. Kendrick Bourne is doing a really nice job attacking all over the field. Frankly, he's, he's been a sort of X factor for this offense. I love him. I think he's been great. Yeah. He's been great. Yeah. I've been sort of surprised at how well he's been able to, he's just gelling better than any of the other receivers with Mac Jones. Like, Jacoby Myers is clearly a nice little safety net, but Kendrick Bourne is that guy. He's kind of like the guy when Mac Jones really needs needs to trust his receiver to generate a big play. He's going to go to Bourne. So we've seen that a few games in a row now. But yeah, like that's why I don't see Odell coming into the mix or someone to that effect. Allen Robinson, the money doesn't make a ton of sense where they would need they would need to like really extend themselves at, at a particular position like receiver and then. I would say um, just like taking targets away from the playmakers they already added. So two tight ends, John Smith and Hunter Henry, those guys need targets as do Aguilar and Bourne. And I think Bourne is like the biggest surprise, biggest pleasant surprise. And he got paid the least. So there's, there's more upside for the other three guys that they paid more money. Whereas this cornerback position, it really needs more certainty going forward. Like looking at the contracts, You've got John Jones through 2022. I think um, Jalen Mills has a little flexibility, but he's he, he's gonna be around for a little while. And J.C. Jackson is a pending free agent. You have relative uncertainty about you know two of your three top cornerbacks, and then beyond them, you have nothing. You have no certainty because Joanne Williams may be around for a while, but I mean this was his best game last week, and that was against the Jets. And then who else do you have? You have Miles Bryant. Justin Bethel can't really play cornerback. I mean, it's just like the depth chart is bare. And so they would be wise to go after someone who has years on their deal to help solidify the roster, not just for this year, not just thinking in terms of the final half of the season, but in terms of creating some continuity heading into next year. That's why I don't love Kyle Fuller. He's done a one-year deal. It's a $9 million deal. That's pretty rich. He'd immediately be the highest paid cornerback. And that would probably not sit well with JC Jackson who is looking for an extension or going to head the heck out the door as soon as free agency rolls around. So you have to think about those dynamics. Bill Belichick does. He likes to make sure that the top receiver is paid the most. The top cornerback is paid the most. He's, even though he says, you know, it's like a merit-based system. He's very careful and aware of the dynamics of how bringing someone in who's paid more can impact, players who feel like they're underpaid and and he was careful about that with julian edelman in the building because julian edelman was chronically underpaid so they had a hard time figuring out how to bring in receivers um they had to be careful about bringing in receivers no doubt that were paid more than him so fuller possible possible but not probable like i i just i would like i think they would like to see someone if they're going to make a a move that that's a more long-term stock gap not just not just buying in for this year when they, when they're probably they feel like they're going to make the playoffs but realistically they may not
1: well we'll see does belichick really believe in this team or is he just pumping their tires and making gullible fans like myself be excited over a, a blowout win over the jets where they score 54 you know we'll, we'll, we'll see maybe maybe next week around that trade deadline on tuesday i believe it is we'll we'll get our answer but the patriots have an interesting opponent Coming up, Henry, he's not impressed with wins over the Texans and the Jets. He wanted a win over the Cowboys, I know, and so did I. They could have had that one, Henry. Another similar spot against the Chargers, right? A, an opportunity to beat a team that's above you in the conference. Finally, an opportunity to get a quality win, and I think it would be if you go over to LA and beat the Chargers. So let's get into that one coming up next. But first, here's your typical sports bidding minute.
4: This is the typical sports book minute. Let's make this interesting.
5: What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bed Slippin' Podcast presented by SportsbookWire.com. I'm here with my handicapping homie, Nathan Beagle, to break down this week's Sunday night football matchup with the Dallas Cowboys visiting the Minnesota Vikings. Our friends at Typical Sportsbook have the Cowboys' favored 1.5, uh, the Vikings' money line is plus 102, the Cowboys' money line is minus 125, the over-under is 45.5. I am on the Vikings plus the points. Actually, I'm just going to take the Vikings outright as a road dog. In the Zimmer era, they're 10-3 and 3 against the spread as a home underdog. Also, Dallas' 6-0 and ATS record is due for some regression. I'm skeptical Dallas' defense is this good, and I like a healthy Minnesota offense to keep pace with the Cowboys. Nate. How do you see the Cowboys-Vikings game playing out?
2: I'm going opposite on you, Jeff. Minnesota has a bottom 10 rush defense. Dallas ranks top three in rush attempts per game. The Cowboys are 5-1, and, and have won four of their last five by six or more. Dak is a surging MVP candidate, and their offense has been on fire. Give me America's team by more than one point.
4: That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at slash podcast. That's slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1 800 Gambler in New Jersey. 1 800 4700 in Colorado.
1: All right, Henry, Pats are five-and-a-half-point road dogs at L.A., and the Chargers are coming off a bye, so it doesn't feel like the best spot in the world. But I forgot about that, that game the Patriots played against the Chargers in L.A. last year when they won 45 to nothing, and Justin Herbert struggled and tossed a pair of interceptions. So I'm not sure how big of a factor the new head coach Brandon Staley is in this rematch. I know the Chargers are good, and they're better than last, they were last year. But they just got their doors blown off by Baltimore right before their bye. Their win over Kansas City doesn't look quite as good anymore because something's wrong with Kansas City and the Patriots are actually tied with the Chiefs, which if you told me the Patriots would be tied with the Chiefs at this point, I would have taken that and I would have been like, oh my God, we're going to the Super Bowl. But that's not the case. So with the close wins against the Bucks and the Cowboys, I'm I'm kind of leaning towards taking the points. Five and a half feels like a, a decent little number for the Patriots going on the road against L.A., and especially with that forty-five nothing win last year, but what do you think? Are you buying the points at five and a half? I
2: feel like I'm buying the Patriots for a win. So money line, yeah, money line. I love it. Uh, maybe I'm hyping them up a little bit too much for this game. Maybe I'm like, maybe I'm trying to. Man- and and I think I might have said the same thing heading into the Cowboys game.
1: I got to cut you off. Here. I, I think were- I think you're buying that Jets win more than you think. You're feeling. You're feeling the momentum, Henry. You're going to get. You're <laughs> contradicting yourself. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's a that's a pretty good point. You're, no, I, I well, so I'm buying like I'm buying into my like how the Patriots win the Super Bowl take. That's what I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give myself credit rather than the Patriots credit. But I'm buying like the fact that from a trajectory standpoint, the Patriots should be on an upward momentum by this point in the season. And I thought it was gonna happen with the Cowboys, and it didn't. So uh, I don't know if this is foolhardy like fool me once fool me twice kind of situation but I feel like they're going to be on an upward trajectory for this Chargers game this is where you know I don't know if people like are think that the cryptocurrency culture is funny but this is where the Patriots start mooning they're they're headed up and so that's what I kind of I'm kind of buying into this narrative that I've presupposed going into this season and that's why I'm going to take the Patriots but I think to your point the Ravens beat the Chargers 34 to six. The Chargers think about emotionally where they're coming from, and, and obviously that plays a much bigger factor into a season in a particular game than people are willing to admit. The Chargers—they just got their doors blown off, like you said. They have a whole bye week to ruminate over it and study the Patriots. Now they're heading into the game, but to the Patriots' credit. You know, like like we were talking about with the Jets game, if the Chargers spent last week studying the Patriots' loss to the Cowboys, then they might be a little bit frustrated with the film they got from the Jets, which showed that they could do totally different things than what they did against Dallas.
1: And here's the stat that gets me, Henry, and why I think the Patriots have a legit shot. The Chargers are dead last in rushing yards allowed on defense. They're giving up a 162.5 yards per game. So again, I think that 45 nothing game last year... It just makes me think that Belichick has a plan against Herbert in that offense, and then the fact that the Chargers can't stop the run and that kind of plays into what the Patriots want to do. It all kind of – as much as I want to just complain at the TV and, and wish Mac Jones would be in the shotgun more, you know he's going to be under center, turning his back, doing the play-action thing, and it all stems when, – when Damian Harris has a game like he had last week and you got the run game going and you can do the play-action thing, I think you're a tough team to beat. So I, I – again – I love the Patriots at five and a half. I might be too high on them right now, but I think that the fact that the Chargers cannot even stop the run at all and they're, they're dead last in the league plays in the Pats' favor a ton.
2: We'll know very early in the game whether the Patriots have a shot at stopping the Chargers because it will largely rely upon Justin Herbert. I think the Patriots' run defense is improving and Austin Eckler can probably Win that matchup, so to speak, where he could he could be beating up on that front seven. But I don't think the game is won with Justin with with, excuse me with Austin Eckler between the tackles. I think the game is won on if Justin Herbert looks like Justin Herbert, or he looks like the guy that we saw last season, where you know he threw completed fifty percent of his passes, two hundred and nine yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions, and he got sacked three times. So is that the guy we're going to see? Um, If so, like the Patriots win this handily. Is it like 50% of the Justin Herbert we've seen this year? You know, like MVP candidate, Justin Herbert. If he shows, if MVP candidate shows up, then the Patriots are going to have a hard time winning. If it's like 50% strength Herbert, then we're going to see a really good game where Herbert maybe turns over the ball once and he's not firing with as much authority He's seeing some ghosts and Bill Belichick ekes out a win largely through ball possession or time of possession where he's really rushing the ball heavily with Damian Harris, where Mac Jones is working play action and, and occasionally hitting that downfield shot. And yes, maybe we will see more trick plays.
1: <laughs> we definitely will. Come on. It's the Patriots yeah. at least one or two yeah. a game. I just think maybe we're getting the chargers Henry at, at a good time. It doesn't feel like it on paper, right? You're the chargers coming off a buy. Like I said earlier, you have to go to the West coast for this game, but I just think you're getting them at a right at the right time. The chargers, they've given up 76 points in their last two games to the Browns and the Ravens. And I think the shines off that defense a little bit. Again, I'm a believer after the 54 point game by the, the Pats over the jets. I'm I'm a believer, even if you're not Henry, yet. but I believe, I think each day you're kind of getting, you're getting closer to drinking that Kool-Aid with me for, with Belichick. So I think, Give me the the points. Give me the Patriots. And like you said, sprinkle a little on that money line. I think it's at plus 190 right now on Tipico. I'm sprinkling a little bit on the money line. And if the Patriots win this game, they get their signature win you've been looking for. What does that do for your confidence in the team? Do you think that makes them uh, a legit contender in the AFC? The AFC is wide open right now. It seems like there's, you know, one week it's the Ravens that are the best team. Then it's the Bills. And then it's the, the Titans out of nowhere. They lose to the Jets. And now all of a sudden they're the best team in the AFC. It's like every week it's a new team.
2: I think I think that it is open enough for the Patriots to like they're just on a good developmental course in my mind. And it's one thing to be on a good developmental course. It's another thing to be winning football games. And we just I just want to see them win a good football game before I really give them a vote of confidence. Well, that's actually again, like you pointed out, I'm I'm like totally hyperbolic and, and like not making any sense this week. Because I'm t- t- tossing and turning, I'm like, <laughs> "That's my favorite. Win this That's week. my
1: favorite, Henry McKenna. And then
2: right. I'm like, "Yeah, but they're a bad football team." Right. Um, yeah, you've been
1: contradicting yourself. I've loved it.
2: Yes, uh, I don't know what's going on in my brain, but <laughs> um, I have the dad yeah, brain, not I, you. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know where where I am mentally, but even, okay. Here's what I will say: If they win this week, they are absolutely in the mix again to be, you know. A playoff team and, and maybe even one of the best in the AFC by the end of the season, because it it proves that they are on that track that I think that they can get on. So, we'll, yeah, I, I, we'll, we'll see what happens on Sunday and, and we'll see like just how just how good they can actually play, um, whether they can play 60 minutes and, and beat off a good team, which we haven't seen them do in previous parts of the season.
1: All right, Henry. We're back at it. I literally finished the show holding my son because uh, he was getting a little fussy, and my wife was in the other room. So uh, I'm back at. I'm just in full dad mode here, and the podcast we're back and running. It's it's been great. It's been great.
2: Yeah, I love was that. Good. Yeah, you're, was you, good. Dude, Bill Belichick would think you're so versatile. Just he would turning, be like,
1: <laughs> literally turning the just, mic off and on, trying to yeah not 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 have him scream through the mic too much. Yeah. But, uh Nah yeah. man, it's 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 great to be back doing the shows, and uh, hopefully the Patriots get a win and give us a season. That's what I'm rooting for. So uh, yeah, for Henry McKenna, I'm Ryan O'Leary. We appreciate everybody joining us. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button for us, and we'll catch you next week.